We're the Valentins. And we are passionate about people. Every human was created for fulfilling relational connection. But that's not always what comes easiest. We know this because of our wide range of personal experience, as well as our years of working with people. So we're going to crack open topics like dating, marriage, family, and parenting to encourage, entertain, and equip you for a deeply fulfilling life of relational health. All right, babe, here we go. All right, you guys, welcome back to Dates, Mates, and Babies with the Valentins. Great to be with you today. I do always love recording day. Here we are. Yeah, it's great. Good weather this week. We've, in uh, in Redding, California. <laughs> yeah, spent so much time with the kids swimming. Actually, we went swimming this morning yeah. with the kiddos. So that was really it's fun. It's over 100 degrees for like the foreseeable future. So that's, life. that's summer in Redding. Woohoo. Well, babe, um, this week we're talking about demystifying affairs. And yeah. it can seem kind of like a downer subject, but actually it's the opposite because what we're doing is helping people build healthy, strong, marriages and relationships. And there's so many myths and lies uh, that we become susceptible to if we don't do a great job taking care of our marriage. So I have worked for years helping people uh, work through affairs and and marriage, you know, like all kinds of marital problems. And so I really, the other day I said, babe, I want to do a whole episode on affairs, like demystifying it because um, we find people in these really tough spots and that is, they really, there's no real reason that they should get into that spot. Like we can prevent it is what I'm saying. Oh, absolutely. And at the same time, if you're in the middle of an affair or something like that, there's also some really cool, great help for you. And so some things that you can do to help build a stronger, healthier marriage Yep. what you ever had before. And so we wanted to dive into this topic. Yeah. Um, this is a this is an older statistic, but I think it's worth mentioning that according to the American Association of Marriage and Family Therapy, this back in 2015, a study that they put out says that 15% of women and 25% of men engage in sexual extramarital affairs and that actually that number increases 20% if you include emotional affairs in that statistic. So I think it's worth mentioning not, not to freak anybody out or to, you know, you don't need to start, you know, counting to see like, you know, one in how many people are going to end up in this situation. But I think what it, what it tells me is that, you know, 20% or more of people really don't know how to manage and navigate the tough things that come up inside of marriage. And it drives them to a place that um, also in the study, I think it's, it's interesting to note most people think that infidelity is wrong. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if, if ish 20% of people are engaging in activity that they believe is wrong, then you know that they really don't know what to do with the hardship that they're facing or the pain that they're in or whatever is driving them into this extramarital affair. It's not because they think it's the right thing to do. Yeah. No, I think it's helpful for us to look at what do marriages go through? Like what do all marriages go through? Yeah. And you know, marriage is 
such a journey of ups and downs. And we've talked about that so much on this podcast. And maybe even if we just look at our marriage, right? And our first year of marriage was really exciting. And a lot of people's first year of marriage is very exciting because you have the honeymoon. We had this new place that we get to live in. You're decorating it. I mean, it's it's fun, you know? Yeah, it's, and, you've always wanted to be married. Here you are, You've mm-hmm. your dreams come true. You found the man or woman of your dreams and here you are. I would say our first year of marriage was potentially harder than most in that we had kids. So you're we figuring out how to blend a family. That was really tough. Yeah. But I know what you're saying. Our connection inside of our first year of marriage was really fun and exciting. Yeah, it is. And, but what starts to happen for a lot of couples is that, man, we have, we have kids, right? We start having kids and we've talked about this before, but we know that when, uh, I think, I I do believe that it's the Gottman Institute that says, um, 60% of all, all married couples who have kids experience a negative at first. And you, you guys can go fact check the exact percentage, but mm-hmm. it's, it's a high percentage of people who have kids experience a negative and you experience a negative because you're not sleeping really well, right? You don't have as much time as you used to have for your spouse and to hang out. Um, you don't have as much money as you had before because you're buying diapers and you're buying formula and you're buying clothes and all those things contribute to this pressure. It's really, it's added pressure. And if you didn't start out with a really strong connection, really great tools with one another, uh, you guys do teamwork really well, then duh, you're going to experience a little bit of a dip. And that may be a two year dip, or that may be a six year dip, depending upon, you know, a lot of our friends have had kids back to back to back. And if you didn't really solve the issue with the first child that you had, like, how are we going to parent this kid? What are our tools for, um, you know, parenting? Like, are we, do we both have a good idea and feel powerful with how we're going to raise our kids? And as they get older, man, if you don't feel powerful raising your kids and you don't know how you're going to discipline them and, and how to help them behave and how to, how to help them feel connected. Okay then man, you're experiencing some real hardship. Yeah. And when that happens in a relationship, we know that we begin to disconnect. Right. Because it gets in this self-preservation mode. And honestly, I'm not really enjoying being at home. I'm struggling being at home Mm -hmm. because home feels chaotic and I don't feel super connected to my wife or my husband. And a lot of people live in that kind of world in their marriage. And when that happens, again, you have all these needs that are going unmet or that you're meeting in an unhealthy way, you know, to manage your stress, you're drinking a little bit too much, or maybe you're overeating, or maybe you're working. You know, a lot of men struggle with not wanting to go home because they don't feel powerful at home, right? They don't right. feel powerful with leading the, the relationship well. They don't feel powerful with, you know, their kids and, and how confident. to discipline they them. They yep. confident. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so where I do feel confident and I feel powerful is at work. I feel really, you know, I've, I that's a place where I can succeed. And so, man, it's yeah. easy to dive into work. And all of a sudden I get all this affirmation and all this, you know, positive, powerful 
feelings when I'm at work, but when I, as soon as I go home, I'm really stressed out. Mm -hmm. And that what that does, honestly, is it preps the environment for infidelity and affairs. It really does. It it puts people in a place where may you do something that you would have never done. You never have, you know, built this unhealthy relationship with this other person, but because I'm stressed out for long periods of time, I feel powerless. We are disconnected mm -hmm. and I don't have any real solutions. Now, all of a sudden I end up in a spot that I never wanted to end up. Yeah, absolutely. I know that for me when I, uh, and this is, this is not like statistical or anything. This is just me thinking about the people that I know, families that I know who have walked through, um, infidelity of some sort. And I feel like there is a common denominator among them, which is the person who had the affair mm -hmm. wasn't actually walking in truth and honesty with anyone mm -hmm. in their life. Nobody really knew. They, they found themselves, they walked their way into this affair in secret. And upon, you know, discovering the affair and kind of unearthing everything that had happened, most of the time, at least in my experience, you hear that person kind of talk about what they were going through for the first time. I'm thinking of somebody in particular who, you know, had an affair on his wife and um, was saying things like, I haven't felt emotionally connected in years. Yeah. Well, maybe his wife knew that, but nobody else was knowing that. You know, he wasn't actually walking that out with anybody. He wasn't in counseling. He wasn't getting help. He didn't have friends that knew the depth of his pain or the confusion that yeah. he was experiencing until it was way too late. Yeah. You know, by the time he was talking about that, he was already deep into the affair. Nobody knew. So I think the, uh, you know, the moral of that story for me, when I look at kind of the common denominators among marriages who experience infidelity, I'm going, oh, one of the best ways to set yourselves up for success in marriage is to make sure that you have a culture individually and as a couple where you are really walking in the light with people. You are you have people in your life that you are doing life with, that you are deeply connecting with, that you are you know, you don't want to get to a mountain of pain before you start to try to solve the problem. Yeah. You want to be daily walking yeah. with other people who are helping to sharpen you, keeping you accountable, not just accountable for like, are you having bad thoughts today? Are you, you know, are you tempted today? But just simply processing the pain of life, the frustrations of the day, the kids drove me nuts today. And I, you know, I gotta, I gotta have somebody to talk to about that because yeah. you have years and years and years of mounting pain or frustration or, you know, people that don't have an outlet where they are processing pain and working through it, finding ways to get their needs met in a healthy way. That feels like a common denominator. Yeah, it is. And we're going to get into like how to fix and mm -hmm. how to how to make a strong marriage. <clears throat> but there's this myth that people believe in, gosh, we hear a lot in our culture, is that you can just fall out of love. I hear that a lot. And yeah. in my office that happens a lot is people will come in and say, you know, I just, I just don't love her. And, and we've just kind of fell apart. And it's like, 
that that's so much BS. It's crazy. You don't, you, you can't fall into love any more than you can fall out of love. We get disconnected in marriage. And mm-hmm. when we become disconnected in marriage, well, I start believing things about you that drive me apart. And the only difference between someone who feels like they're in love and someone who doesn't is that strong connection, that, that strong bond that I have. And so we, we first have to get rid of this idea that somehow, you know, we just fell out of love. No, you didn't. You quit connecting. You quit doing all the things that equal a really strong bond and that, that equals nourish and cherish. It equals feeling known. And man, when we start doing that, that should be the first red flag is yep. when you start saying to yourself, I just, uh, I've never, I, I, we've, we're just falling out of love. It's like, right. mm, you better repair that. Right. You better repair that quickly. But that happens. So what I've experienced is, um, this is just my experience. And I've said this for a really long time is that it feels like around the 10 year mark yeah. that affairs are become much, much more common. Mm. And in my opinion, this is just my opinion. It's because like our willpower. So we know that every single day science shows us that every single day your willpower runs out. And that's why what you'll do with your girlfriend at 1 PM is so different than what you'll do at 1 AM. Mm. And you're able to manage this like 1 p.m., you're like, no, nah, I got my purity on lockdown. It's not worth it. 1 a.m., you're emotionally tired. You're physically tired. Your inhibitions are lower. Mm-hmm. And your ability to really keep that relationship on course is not even the same. And the same thing happens over time in relationships. You know, it's the first day. Like, people aren't looking for affairs on the first day. Has it happened? Yes. And I'll tell a story about that. But is that the norm? No. You do years and years of disconnection, years and years of feeling powerless, years of not feeling known. Mm-hmm. And then this hopelessness comes in and then you start believing all these lies. And around the 10 year mark, it's like, wait, why am I married? What am I doing? Are we just going to do this forever? Yeah. And then you end up doing these things that, again, you never thought that you would do, whether you were married or not married, Yeah. Uh, violating yourself. So yeah. I think that it's really helpful to start taking a look at your marriage and look where couples are at. I do want to talk a little bit about the lies that people believe who are entertaining infidelity. Yep. And why I want to talk about it so much is because almost every person that I work with and over the 19 years that I've been doing this, Mm -hmm. uh, helping couples, it's almost always the same. Right. And so if, and, it, and the lies feel so real. They feel so true and powerful. And I had a friend who was, he was having a three year long affair and he came and he told me, um, and he was really struggling because <clears throat> what he was feeling for this other woman felt so real and so powerful. Yeah. And it was really helpful when he talked to me because he was really honest, right? He was telling me exactly what he was thinking and feeling. And of course, I wasn't like, oh, yeah, cool. I was really honest with him. But I was able to say, hey, and you're also feeling this, 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 and this. Mm-hmm. And so by by me dispelling, by me being able to go like, hey, bro, these are the same things that everyone feels. Right. But they're a myth. They're not real. 
actually he ended up breaking off that relationship with that woman and fixing his marriage and his marriage is incredible now yeah. they have a yeah and you know them as well their marriage yep. is stronger than stronger than ever ever it's mm -hmm. amazing but some of the myths inside of infidelity is the to me the first one is i've never felt like this before yeah i've never felt this the incredible. novelty that you yes. feel mm -hmm. and that is exactly what it is so a lot of people say man i'm i'm just like i'm in love and the truth is you're not in love you're in passion and intrigue love and passion are two different things and, yeah. and just because you feel passionate about something doesn't mean that it's good or bad yeah. it's just a fact and so you know uh what our brains are wired for is novelty we're constantly looking for something new something novel something grand novelty is what drove lewis and clark across the Rockies and to pursue new territory. There could be all this new growing unending possibilities. It's not mm -hmm. good or bad, right? Novelty is, is what drives a hunter who's whatever shot 15 elk in his lifetime. Like I want to go again because it's new. It's, mm. it's not the same thing over and over and over again. And inside of, um, you can watch a really cool, um ted talk it's called your brain on porn yeah by i can't remember his name now his name is his first name is gary um he talks about novelty and, and what happens but basically what happens is you know are your honeymoon night whew, it's crazy because i've never had this experience with you babe i've never been you know naked with you and experiencing all these things and it it's so brand new it's off the charts the actual hit of dopamine in my brain is higher than I've ever had. Well, one year in, it's different. The My body doesn't release the same amount of dopamine as the very first time. It's part of why when we go two weeks, I'm on a trip, you're on a trip, and we come back, wow, it's amazing again. It's because uh, I have this new experience that I haven't yeah. had. Distance does really make the heart grow fonder. <laughs> and it makes the dopamine hit That's incredible. That's what I mean, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so drug addicts, again, I just really want to hammer this home. Drug addicts are chasing novelty. And so I do a little bit of marijuana. I do that for a while. Mm, pretty soon it doesn't do the same thing for me that it used to do. So I start taking whatever, meth or cocaine I do a little bit and then what am I always chasing I'm chasing that high right I'm mm -hmm. chasing I'm I need more 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 uh, people use pornography um, rarely does does a person who starts into pornography stay at the same level mm -hmm. because it gets old right you start with a static picture on a page could be underwear model and then man, it just doesn't do the same thing for you that's actually hits a, of uh, dopamine and serotonin in your brain where you where you go mm, this doesn't actually move the needle anymore what I need is I need something greater and so you're turning up the level you're finding you know the average person who looks at porn um, nowadays it's violent porn mm. and that that is a fact is you have to if you go to Pornhub you have to dig to find the normal mild porn mm. and so what's happening is people are used to it it's it's, it's not new anymore it's not, it's new. not exciting mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so your marriage let's go back to to let's go out to married couples it's easy for to start getting in this rut of like wow this 
this new man or this new woman that I have, like I have something that I've never had before. We're uh, in inside of this affair. Like she, I've really found my soulmate. So yeah. that's a common thing that people say. I've actually found, no, what you found is you found a new novel experience and it has actually nothing to do with you found the right person. Yeah. It would be really impossible for that to happen because it's two broken people finding each other. Is it, The amount of passion that you feel isn't a commentary on the health of the future right. relationship if you were to go down that road. You have two people who are willing to violate a, a covenant. covenant in order to have this relationship. Yeah. So again, just taking, I'm taking a hammer to the uh, misconceptions, right? Yeah, the lies. That's good. And so that's a massive one. It and is, can I just interject mm -hmm. on that note? So this would be another subject altogether, but that you find yourself needing something new and novel mm -hmm. That isn't actually good, bad, right, or wrong either. It's no. indicating that there's needs that you have that you would then have to go figure out how to get met in a healthy way yes. in order to, in marriage, when the need for adventure, novelty, newness, and passion, when that comes up in a 10-year-old marriage, you got to know where to find that mm -hmm. in a really healthy way with your spouse. So yes. we're not going to talk about that right now, but yes. it just goes without saying, you know, obviously you have to have an outlet for those feelings. Yeah. Okay. Yep. What's another myth that people are entertaining when they're entertaining infidelity? Yeah. Um, and I'll just, I'll list a couple of these. I don't have to go as deep into them, but um, this is the only person who's ever really understood me. Mm -hmm. And that may actually be true on a very small level. The, so I'll, some affairs, like an emotional affair, uh, are often just, they build and build and build because a man or a woman has built this deep bond through communicating back and forth with one another. Mm -hmm. And this happens a lot at, you know, work relationships. I start sharing a little bit and I start feeling heard and I, I get pulled on and I open up more and more and more. And pretty soon, like I actually really do feel more known in this relationship than I've ever felt before. Well, sure. And you may be really more known than you've ever been, except for here's, the, here's, Here's the kicker is that it's not fully real because the person that you're opening up with doesn't have to deal with your worst day. Right. They're not having to wake up next to you with your bad breath and you're not pooping in the same room and you're not changing in the same room. You're not you're raising not, kids together. No. You're not doing the hard, mm. the hard stuff. Yeah. And so you start to go like, this person really gets me. This is the only person that's really accepted me. This is the only person that's really known you. And it's like, no, they only know the easy side of you. They right. only know the romantic, passionate, deep side of you. They're not having to deal with the actual real stuff inside of you. And so again, yeah. it feels super real. And you may be telling them stuff that's real. You may be telling them your fears about, uh, it can also often happen where you get into an emotional affair because you start talking to someone opening up about your marriage and what's hard exactly. about yourself. So again, it goes to like, this person really accepts me and they really know me and they really love me with where I'm at. And I can't tell my husband or my wife uh, about, you know, I can't even tell them about this stuff. I mean, it's like, yeah, your spouse, this new person that you have, it's not a real relationship, 
Right. It's not apples and apples. And when you start to comparing it, it's like this. It's like me saying to you, my guy friends accept me more than you accept me. It's like, well, yeah, my guy friends don't have my bank account attached to them. They're not dealing with my bad spending habits. They're not dealing with my inability to show up and be present. Right. My guy friends see me on the best days. Right. They're not cleaning up my mess all day long. Mm -hmm. It's not apples and apples. And that is a freaking big myth that people believe and they get into and it leads to mm-hmm. massive problems. Absolutely. Um, going on, I've been so neglected. I deserve to be cared for. So Oof. that can be real. Like you can be in a relationship where you have not been taken care of, mm-hmm. where your boundaries have been pushed, where or you're hurt mm-hmm. you're in pain. Yep. And so I deserve this, that I deserve this, uh, peace is the real problem is uh, you don't you don't get to go and have an an affair emotional or physical affair because you weren't being taken care of your responsibility is to learn healthy boundaries is to actually you know go to counseling go do whatever you need to do to get this fixed yeah not go find somebody else that is actually going to treat you better yeah so work on your marriage because the truth is somebody could is probably is treating you better yeah but it doesn't give you license and permission to go do that. I do think that for the person that, that says, I've been so neglected, I deserve to be cared for, mm-hmm. there's often an ownership piece missing. There can be. And I've seen it both ways. I really have. I'm thinking of couples in my mind. So I recently had a woman, and a, a man and a woman come in. Uh, sorry, a married couple. Sorry, uh-huh. uh, come in and she had had an affair that he had just found out about. They went mm-hmm. through her school ministry. And so it was 10 years ago and she finally confessed like, hey, I've had an affair. I want to tell you about it, but I'm afraid to do it without somebody there. Mm-hmm. So they reached out to me. Um, they're sitting in my office and he started out, the man started out by saying, I treated my wife so poorly in our marriage. Early on. Early on, mm-hmm. 10 years ago. I shamed her for her sex drive. I didn't know how to connect to her. I was, that's why she had this affair. Wow. Well, she didn't have one affair. She had seven and he didn't know about it. So she sat there and I'm jumping the gun a little bit, but she sat there and told him about all the different affairs. Some were, was, you know, intercourse. Some was, um, oral sex. Some was emotional. And so she just unpacked all of them. She hadn't had an affair. She had cut them all off after that year. And he stood there and took it. And he cried and he was in a ton of pain. But then he looked back up at me and said, I know that she did that because of how horrible I was to her. Wow. It was amazing. Well, and that's 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 best case scenario is that you have two people who are willing to take incredible amounts of ownership over the problem. Yes. And the problem is disconnection. Yes. Yes. She was. And listen, you know, we're going to talk about how to fix affairs, Mm -hmm. but so, okay. So yes. Um, my spouse is never going to change. So again, what that equals is lots of hopelessness. So uh, I worked with someone recently. Or lack of trust. Yeah. Worked with someone recently and they're like, you know, I, I'm with somebody who's going to change with me and grow with me and build with me. It's like, Nah, that's BS. You're with somebody who 
feels really passionate about something brand new mm-hmm. and it's really exciting. You know, affairs are really, really exciting. Just like, yeah, robbing, and you're with somebody who you have no history or baggage with. Yeah. Just like robbing a bank is probably really exciting. It's a horrible thing to do. Uh, but wow, what an experience, you know? Right. Um, so anyways, um, I've never been in love with my partner. So that's the last one. I probably said that in the beginning, No, but that's a really big one that happens a lot is I've never, we, we were never really in love. Yeah. So you convince yourself that one, again, love equals passion and love equals excitement, which isn't true. Um, but one of the justifications, uh, is I've, we've never just really, we've never really been in love. And so I end up convincing myself of that. And I end up finding myself, you know, in what I think is real love is, you know, real passion. And I deserve this, you know, this is what's real. I did what we used to have you. She just wasn't the right one or he wasn't the right one. And now I finally found it. And that's a myth. That's not actually true. And the statistics around when, when marriage happens out of an affair, the, this, statistics on divorce skyrocket right because it's so much uh walt disney bliss it works for a little bit but then it crashes so hard yeah because you have two people who aren't didn't start out in a healthy way we know that all relationship uh the lifeblood of relationship is trust right you have to build on a foundation of trust well subconsciously unconsciously what happens when I leave my spouse to be with you and you leave whatever relationship you have to be with me, we innately don't trust each other. No. Unconsciously. We, so we tell each other all these lies, right? We tell ourselves all these lies, like I've never felt love like this, never done this before. But as soon as it, the relationship isn't novel anymore, isn't new anymore, as soon as we've kind of, and we're living together, all of a sudden, uh, I don't really trust myself. I don't really trust you. All of our baggage starts to come out and then we just crumble and implode. And so again, the myth, breaking down the myth that this is the one that's gonna last. This is the relationship that I've been looking for, that I've been waiting for. And if I'd have found this some other time, if we we would have met each other when we were young, this would have really worked. One thing that I think I'd like to say on that note, just you know, the lie that I've never been in love with my partner One of the things I think I've learned over our 12 years of marriage is that the, the, um, the chemistry and the passion that you feel early in your relationship, right? Like even dating Mm -hmm. there's, we've talked about this before, but I always say like dating was so fun. Mm -hmm. It was super fun. It was way more fun some days than marriage is. Oh yeah. For sure. Again, it's because it's new, it's novel. You've got all this adventure ahead of you. You don't know what it's going to be like. And then, you know, we're 12 years in and five kids later and, you know, ups and downs of finances and work and family and health and all the things that are normal life. One of the things I think I didn't know in early stages of marriage is that actually... And this is something that Dr. Glenn and Phyllis Hill really helped unpack for me in a way I could understand is that from a, in a, from an intimacy perspective, that actually the chemistry and the passion that you feel at the beginning of your marriage should be 
less than the than the connection and the passion that you feel later in marriage. But that is rarely people's experience because they don't know how to actually cultivate passion through connection. And so when you have people saying, I've never been in love with my partner before, it's because they're realizing we don't have connection. I'm lacking the passion, therefore lacking the connection that I really desire. And so I'm recognizing that we haven't had this commodity for however long. And now I'm with this new person who's novel and new, and I'm experiencing passion again that maybe I originally felt with my, my husband or my wife, but it's been so long and we never figured out how to cultivate more that here I am feeling like, oh, maybe I never loved her. Mm-hmm. Maybe I never felt those things yeah. because I never loved her. And I'm going, oh, no, no. You never felt those things because you never learned how to cultivate it. Mm-hmm. You were waiting on it to happen to you. You were yes. waiting on the chemistry that happens when something is novel or new to hit you in the face and light you up again. And that's not how it works. You have to cultivate passion through connection. And a lot of people don't know how to do that. Yes. It, it's such a good point because when you're just dating somebody, uh, the newness of the relationship often creates that excitement. When you're married, it takes the, the, the tools, the intentionality, the vulnerability, the honesty and openness to create that passion. Right. And that's a massive difference. Yeah. And it's a, it's a freaking ton of work. It is, but it's, but worth, it's worth it, it. because so it's the it. only real authentic place of passion you'll ever have. Yeah, it's so true. And and it's sustainable, right? Right. So let's talk about how to fix an affair. Yeah. Because every time I have a couple in my office who is going through an affair, they all ask the same question and they all have the same fear. Here's the fear is they don't want to be in that old marriage. They don't want to be stuck in this marriage for 20 years and grinding it out. And my dad did this or my mom was stuck in a marriage for 20 years. And I just don't want to do that anymore. I've already, and whether you're the one that cheated or whether you're the one that was cheated on, both people are afraid that they're going to be in this prison of this hellish marriage. And so they're both ready to throw in the towel. Right. Right. Because for some people, that's my way out. Like if your spouse cheated on you and you've had a bad marriage, it's like, okay, bye. I'm done. Yeah. Um, if you're the one that cheated and you cheated because whatever, you've been in a lot of pain, it's easy to go like, well, I already screwed up. You know, I'm already in sin. I'm already muddy. I might as well just keep going down this road. Mm-hmm. The truth is, is that when you, when you fix your marriage, when, if you are willing to dive in and work mm-hmm. on your marriage, I, the marriages that, that rebuild after affairs are so strong. It's crazy. It really is. Honestly, I'm thinking of several couples in my mind Mm -hmm. that I know that I've walked through. It's crazy because all the, often what happens is now you're both really stripped down to honesty. Mm -hmm. You're really, you're stripped down so raw that the things that you should have been talking about before. Right. You're not preserving anything. Mm -hmm. You are now really talking about. And 
whether it was the wife that had an affair and she's been miserable in the marriage and she's she's never been brave enough to say like or to set really healthy boundaries mm -hmm. she's going like i'm the one that messed up but i am starving for connection mm -hmm. or you know the guy that just felt really disconnected who hasn't felt really close is saying like i really messed up but i don't want to do a disconnected relationship anymore well, and they're discovering the needs that they really have that do need to get met. And on top of that, they're in counseling with someone who can actually really help them. Yeah, hopefully. Well, I mean, if you're going to rebuild, you're not going to rebuild on your own. No, I'm That's saying sure. hopefully you find somebody that can help yeah. walk you through that. Yeah. And so what I've seen more often than not is that if couples will stick it out, right? If you'll get some vision for, for where your marriage could be, and, and that's the first appointment with me. When I help married couples who are in infidelity and affairs, my first meeting is not, you know, uh, how horrible is it? My first meeting is, of course, you know, what happened. And then I'm casting vision for them. Mm. What do you want your marriage to be? Where do you want to go? What do you want your kids to be able to say about you two? And that dictates everything, right? Yeah. Now we can start to paint a really good, clear roadmap because the same thing that makes my marriage work really well with you, babe, is the same thing that helps to heal uh, a broken marriage. And so honestly, when people go through affairs and then they it's a wake-up call to them and they both go, we need to change some things in our marriage, mm -hmm. it's some of the most exciting uh, work I've ever seen because their marriages really do get fixed. They really get well in. I can't say it's every single time, but I will say this every single time I see two, uh, two people take ownership. I've never seen it be worse off. I've always seen it be better. Yeah. And so I have, um, one of the biggest cases that I worked on, um, was, a. Uh, a pastor they've been pastors for a very long time and the first time that he had had an affair on her was on their honeymoon and it was with prostitutes and they had at this point they've been married i think 30 years when mm -hmm. i saw them he had gone to massage parlors you know hundreds of times and he got caught in his affair and it was crazy because um when they first came in she was angry. She was in tons of pain. She hated him, which is normal and fine. Yeah. And I, I should probably say that kind of stuff too is helpful for people. Normal and fine. But it was crazy because she wasn't sure if she was going to get back together with him or not. But this is what she asked me every time. What do I need to work on? I was like blown away. I was seriously, I was so blown away because wow. she didn't, she had, kicked him out she had told him i don't want to live with you anymore i'm not sure where i'm going in this uh, relationship but i'm going to fix myself mm. and <clears throat> that marriage so this is a crazy story i worked on it with my friend dr margaret nagib for a really long time six months and they had repaired their marriage they got back together and then she had found out that he was still going to massage parlors six yeah. months later it was so devastating yeah and then <clears throat> she did the same thing again she said i don't trust you i'm not living with you i feel so whatever violated 
And they lived apart for a long time. I mean, it was a long, long time. And she just said, I just want to work on me. So she continued to come in. He continued to come in separately. She worked on her own stuff. He rebuilt his life and they ended up married and they have a crazy powerful marriage. Yeah. It's nuts. Like it's not the actual affair that, that breaks a marriage. It's if two people are willing to take ownership, I have another married couple that I'm thinking about right now. I have two more where the same exact thing happened besides the fall again. Um, one was a woman who had an affair and <clears throat> she had had an affair because uh, there was so much disconnection in the marriage and it just over the years it built up. She wasn't treated really well. And of course she uh, took a lot of ownership when she, when, when we met and then he did the same thing. He took a lot of ownership for how he had treated her and the disconnection. And because a lot of the fear for people is that, okay, I'm the one that cheated, but I was treated really poorly. And now that they have all this ammunition on me, I'm going to be held in prison forever because I'm the one that messed up. Yeah. None of my feelings or needs will be validated yep. because I'm the person that yeah. was wrong. Yeah. And what's really interesting is I worked with this couple for a long time. Um, after the first meeting, almost all of the work that I did was on the man, not the woman who cheated. Interesting. Yeah, it was on the man because I was able to see like, oh, she's the one that got wore down quicker. She's the one that made, you know, that, that had the affair, but she's actually uh, not the one that's causing the most disconnection in the relationship. Mm -hmm. It's him. And so I had to work a long time with him. And so again, but we see if couples will come in, take ownership and begin to <clears throat> repent, change the way that we think. We're not doing the same things anymore. We are going, we're going the way that we should have gone in the very beginning. So the first month is cleaning up the mess, right? Big old huge mess, whatever. First couple of weeks, first months, cleaning up the mess. From then on, it's all about building real connection becoming vulnerable, becoming honest, setting healthy boundaries, learning how to identify and, and express your needs, learning how to communicate well, learning how to do conflict resolution, learning how to turn towards one another, all the stuff that we teach in our intensive that we do. That's the stuff that helps to heal, you know, infidelity in, in marriages that are suffering and struggling, but you can 100% absolutely heal your marriage after yeah. infidelity and oftentimes it's uh, every time it's so worth it because here's the truth whatever you sidestep and don't fix your kids have to fix mm. and it just lands squarely on them and so i try to to help married couples out by going like listen throwing away 10 years of marriage i realize it's 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 it wasn't fun i realize it was painful probably for both of you both people probably in the marriage are in pain but if you can get a real vision and take real ownership, your kids don't have to go live half the week with somebody else. I mean, divorce is freaking expensive. Mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, it's really expensive. Yeah. And it, it, if you think that this is the answer, the solution to your hard life is I'm going to go find somebody else new and she's going to find somebody else new and we're just going to do parenting really you're so poorly mistaken. Yeah. It's really going to be painful. Yeah. Let me, I know I've talked a lot. 
I'm on a roll. One last thing that I don't want to forget is that unless the person breaks a soul tie mm-hmm. with the whoever they're with. The cheater. Yeah. Pumpkin eater. <laughs> unless you break a soul tie, you'll be super confused. Mm. You'll have such a hard time trying to figure out, do I go back home or do I stay with this new novel person? Mm-hmm. And I've experienced that quite a bit is that when you're trying to have a relationship with your spouse and this new person, you can't do both. And that soul tie that was meant for your spouse, you can create that with other people. It, it literally knits and attaches you to other people and you, your mind, will, emotions, your spirit, your soul is bound to that other person. And so you'll still feel all the crazy feelings that you should feel about your spouse. You'll feel for this other person. And so you have to completely break that soul tie. Yeah. Give back what you took from them, cut off communication and turn back towards your family. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm done talking. It's great. All of it is so good and helpful. One of the things that I've heard you say many times Uh, which I think is for someone who would be in the situation where you've walked through an affair or you're in the middle of an affair or you're in the middle of trying to repair a marriage after infidelity. I do think that sometimes there's an enormous amount of hopelessness uh, around fixing the problem. You look at, let's say you have been married for 10 years and you're like, I know the right thing to do is to fix this problem and to break it off with this person that I'm in an affair with. But when I look at my marriage, it it looks completely impossible to fix. And one of the things that I've heard you say many times is you're not trying to fix something that was broken. You're trying to build something brand new. Mm -hmm. And I think it's actually easier to believe for building something brand new Mm -hmm. than it is to believe for fixing something that's shattered into a million pieces. And I think that it's a really powerful mentality to take into rebuilding a marriage after an affair because the truth is, is that it is really hard to piece something back together that's shattered into a million pieces. If you allow yourself to actually go, you know what, we're going to rebuild completely from the ground up. We're not going to consider this a fixer upper. We are actually going to build from the foundations something brand new that is possible. It's easier than putting that little tiny teacup <laughs> that's fractured yeah. back into a functioning cup again. It's so true. And so I think that even if your context is building a marriage after an affair, to go at it like, how would I coach someone who's never been married before to build a strong and healthy marriage. I would coach them the same way. Yeah. Exactly. It's about building a firm foundation and and building up from there. Yeah, it's so true. More than possible. It's so possible. I mean, it's really really doable. And I think just in closing, one of the mistakes that I see people make is they don't disclose everything that's happened. Mm. Um and so they because they want to get back, you know, with their spouse in the name of not hurting their spouse, 
they don't say, you know, they, they only divulge a couple of things. Oh, we only slept together once or, oh, we, and the truth is, is like, if you don't get it all out, everything out in the beginning, it just eats at you. Yeah. And if you get it out like four months later, it's, it's tough because it can sometimes, you know, set it back a little bit. And so, oh, yeah. you know, if you're struggling, um, with an affair, if you're in the middle of it, if you're cleaning up a mess, man, clean it all the way up while you are, while you're getting messy, you might as well get all the way messy in so that you can really fix every single bit of it. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> so there you have it. Yeah. How to fix an affair. Yeah. On that note, you guys, that's all. That's it. Have a great week. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully this was helpful. Um, we know that it is. So hopefully this was helpful for you. As always, go ahead and uh, leave us your comments and your questions. That's great. And share the podcast if you, if you uh, know people that you think might enjoy it. Please rate and review it. That's always really great. All right, you guys. We're going to wrap up. See you all Until later. Until next time. See ya. See ya.